Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Watchdogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. Thank you again for tuning in. I really appreciate you supporting and help me spread the bark, relay the bark to friends, family, co-workers, people you don't like, <laughs> whatever. Just get them to listen, because I believe everyone's going to start to realize, even though I do have very strong opinions, and I do lean towards the conservative side and uh, mostly Republican kind of view, I do still have you know, very liberal ideas. And I try honestly to look at everything from both sides. So that's why I really want to get conversations started. I think that's one thing that's definitely missing. We can't talk to each other anymore if we disagree. It just, it's crazy to me that we've gotten to that point where I disagree with you. Therefore, I must destroy you. I must block you out of my life and never, ever, ever talk to you again and try to ruin your family and your business and everything you try to do. When did we get to this point? I've asked that so many times, and I'm going to continue asking it until someone tells me why. Uh, I think I know why, but I want you to tell me. All right, in this episode, remember the, last, the end of last episode, I talked about there were a couple things I didn't get to, but I wanted to, and I'm going to get to them on this episode. And that is, where is Greenpeace? Where are they? There's over 30 whales that have now beached themselves on the east coast of the United States, mostly in New Jersey and New York. Where's Greenpeace? I mean, they used to protest one whale getting killed for the people that wanted their blubber and stuff. Where's Greenpeace? Kind of makes me suspect of what kind of organization they really are. Do they really care about conserving marine life or are they only politically motivated? I'm tending to think the second part. All right. And then where are the women's rights groups? Where are the women's rights activists? Women have fought for rights for so long. And now trans women are taking away those rights. They are. They're going to, if we allow it to continue, destroy women's sports. Where are the women's rights activists? protesting this. I mean, not only what, what's happened to us, where are the women's rights protesting what's happening to the women in Afghanistan? Now that the Taliban has taken back over, no one's protesting the facts that Taliban have reinstituted Sharia law and don't allow women to be educated beyond the sixth grade at all. They don't allow them to have jobs without the escort of a male companion. They won't allow them to walk the streets without their burqa, and without a male escort? Where are the women's rights groups? Why are they so selective on what they protest? Don't they care about all women's rights? Doesn't seem to me like that is the case. All right, DEI. <laughs> it's essentially a word game. I'll explain more detail later on. And then I've got to get to the Durham report. And yes, it does reveal there's a big problem with our DOJ and intelligence agencies. I'll explain in more detail in just a minute. But I also want you to know, I used to really, really respect people in the FBI. And I still have respect for some of the people I know that are in and have been 
in the three-letter agencies. <laughs> I won't say who they are or how I know them, you know, because I don't want to put them in danger. But I still love and respect them. But I have lost all respect for the leadership of our intelligence agencies and our DOJ. And I'll explain why in more detail later on. Also, um, there's a couple things. First of all, I'll go with uh, Energy Secretary Granholm wants our entire military to go electric by 2030. Yeah, in seven years, she wants the entire military to be electric. Let me tell you why that's an impossibility and why it's moronic to even think about doing that. That would make us more vulnerable than ever from enemy attacks. And I'll explain that in just a bit. And then I'm going to end on a funny thing. Um, There is a man identifying as a woman that is allowed to live in a sorority house in Wyoming. And the girls living there are not happy about it. But the people that are making the decisions to allow this person to live in a sorority house as a man, they are just giving in to the diversity, equity, and inclusion crowd, not knowing, and I honestly believe this, this dude's doing it on purpose. (laughs) Let me, I'll explain why in just a bit. But let's go back to the original thing, what I was talking about. Where is Greenpeace? There are now over 30 whales that have beached themselves off the coast of the United States, off the east coast of the United States. 30. Greenpeace used to protest one whale being harpooned by a ship that was trying to get the, to kill the whale for the blubber uh, that they could sell on the market and the oils and the, and the things with the skin. They're not anywhere, and 30 whales have beached themselves off the east coast of the United States, mostly up in New Jersey and New York. The reason why they're beaching themselves is because of the exploring that's going on off the coast for wind farms. They're blasting sonar into the ground to determine where the stability is to build these wind farms, 1,000-foot tall windmills off the coast. And all these whales, they, they speak to each other with that same frequency. So it's disrupting communication between a mother and her calf. It's disrupting communication from one whale to another, warning about different things. Now, I understand pretty much every year, whales do get killed by getting into shipping lane traffic and getting caught in net. But 30 whales have beached themselves on the east coast of the United States because the sonar exploration going on is confusing them, upsetting them, and causing them not to be able to talk to each other. Fifteen of these whales are humpback whales. Now, I am grateful that humpback whales have made a resurgence. They got down to a very small population. They were so endangered at one time. I think they had 400 worldwide. And I know, I don't know how, what the, the total number is now. I've looked and I can't find an exact number. I guess you really don't know an exact number. So uh, estimates are, you know, over four, five, six thousand. I don't know. But I've, I've read different articles that say different things. But thank goodness they're back above that. But you'd think 15 
hunchback whales beaching themselves would raise some alarms, especially with the activists. So why aren't they protesting? Where's Greenpeace? I think this proves Greenpeace is only motivated by a political agenda. If it doesn't match the narrative, then they don't care. They don't really care about preserving all marine life. They only care when the company trying to destroy the lives of the marine animals, the whales and the dolphins. And no, by the way, 30 whales, but there's been many more than that in dolphins that have done the same thing to beach themselves. Because it's the sonar. It's, it's that length, that's the frequency they'd all talk to each other. So imagine someone constantly in your life with a blowhorn, with a bullhorn, just shouting at you and raising sirens constantly. So you couldn't talk to friends. You couldn't talk to neighbors. You couldn't talk to your children. That would be impossible because everything has this blaring siren everywhere you go. That's what's happening to the marine life off the east coast of the United States. They're blasting that sonar into the ground, and that sonar is the same frequency that all this marine life communicates with each other. So kind of puts it into perspective, right? That you, when you can't talk, when you're unable to communicate with your friends and family, think about that. And also, I I'm sorry, where are the women's rights activists? Do they not care about women's sports? It doesn't seem to me they do. And again, the fact that no women's rights groups are protesting. Women fought for rights for how long? Hundreds, years? You know, they got the right to vote. They fought the, you know, equal pay, all the different things they're fighting for. But apparently they don't care about women's sports and protecting women's right for private spaces for women only. They don't care about that. They've proven it because they're not speaking up at all about what's happening in women's sports. We know about the story, Riley Gaines being beat by uh, Leah Thomas, who was William Thomas or Will Thomas, uh, his freshman, sophomore, and junior year of college. And when he became a senior, he decided to declare himself a woman and now competes in women's sports, and he dominates women's sports. And that alone infuriates me. But what sets me off really badly is they're allowing him to go into women's locker rooms, shower, and change, even though he's still got the uh, Bean and Franks going on down there, and making women that want their privacy and are complaining about it, they're called the bigots. The women that are complaining about not being able to have their privacy with a trans woman who still has all the junk walking around naked, and they are the ones being punished. The women are the ones being called bigots and called um, intolerant. That, to me, is insanity. Absolute insanity. And then uh, just recently, a trans woman biker dominated uh, an international biking event. And the women, and I hope all women start doing this. I really do. I want women's sports protected. And what happened at this biking competition, and I can't remember the name of the person, but the women refused to stand on second and third place platforms for the picture. There was the trans woman that won standing there all by himself.
And yes, it is him. Okay. I've said it again and again. There are only two genders. The ones that think they're gender fluid, first of all, I have no idea what that means. But the ones that are male and want to be female, that's still two genders. The ones that are female and want to be male, that's still two genders. And I go back to this again and again. In the history, is going to look back and think, what the heck was this generation thinking? What the heck? All However many years humans have existed on this planet, and hundreds of thousands, if you go by the Bible, 10,000, 20,000, something like that. But from the very beginning till probably within the last 10 years, maybe even five to where it really came out of control, there were only two genders. And everybody agreed with that. The science was all, you know, all scientists basically... Uh, collaborated and ran tests and, you know, discovered DNA and chromosomes. And they only found two different variations of those chromosomes, XX, XY. That's it. There is no other thing. I honestly feel horrible, really badly for people that genuinely suffer from gender dysphoria. Like I said, it must be horrific, but it can be treated with therapy. They can be treated by therapy and help them adjust and accept who they are and live a happy, normal life. Because something is, is disconnected in their brain. That just, it's, it has happened. But it only happens in about 0.0005% of the population. Yet you have some teachers, I think in Washington and maybe Oregon and other places, that, that are bragging about the about 25 to 30% of their students are identifying as a different gender than they really are. Social media is causing this. Poor teenagers and preteens that are going through rough times in their life, that are having emotional struggles, that are struggling with trying to find out who they are and where they fit in, are being told by ideologically driven, I believe, evil adults, that they must be in the wrong body. That must mean that they're in the wrong body. And then they go on TikTok and all these other social media accounts, and they see Dylan Mulvaney and um, uh, Jeff Marsh and all these other ones that are telling them that they're so happy being the other gender. They'd be so much happier if they just accept the fact that they're another gender. That's, that's really what it's all about, is just the reason why you're unhappy is you're in the wrong body. And if you just accept that you're in the wrong body, you'll be happier if you start puberty blockers because we'll give you a little time to figure out you know, how, how you want to do this. And then schedule those surgeries to have those private parts just lopped off. You know, teenage girls, you don't need your breasts. You know, teenage boys, you don't need your penis and, and testicles. No, no, you'll be happier with a different body because we're happy. Look at us. You know, all these people on social media that are these influencers, they're recruiting people into this mental illness. It's proven Time and time again, that if you have someone in a room that has certain tics or, you know, like a yawn or different things that they're contagious. And also peer pressure is a real thing. 
it's now trendy to be trans. It is. It's trendy. And when it's celebrated and you have some child that's very confused and upset or may have been abused or uh, gone through a horrible traumatic experience in their life and they're trying to find ground, they're trying to find, you know, the lighthouse that will get them back on focus to live their life normally. You have other people shining lights off in the distance saying, oh, look over here, look over here. This is really where you want to go. Oh, look over here. And those people flashing those lights are ideologically driven and don't know how they're destroying those children. They are destroying those children. If they really cared about protecting children, they would get them therapy, but they don't. And one of the reasons why this is happening, I believe, especially in the medical industry, there's a lot of money to be made in sex change operations and gender uh, or uh, uh, puberty blocking drugs. There's a lot of money and they're protecting that money. How evil is that? And again, where are the women's rights activists? Where are the people speaking up for these confused, hurt children? Who cares about them? I do. I know others do too. But the problem is, our voices aren't nearly as strong as the evil trying to destroy children. And if you go back to my second podcast, you can hear a Russian defector by the name of Yuri Bezmanov. And he talks about a multi-generational plan to destroy generations. And it starts with the children. And right now in our education system, their purpose, I believe, is to break the children, not only mentally, but away from their parents' influence. They have, we have teachers and their advisors and counselors telling children that their parents won't understand them. Their parents are bigots. Their parents won't ever accept them as who they really are. So let's not tell the parents. You don't need to tell your parents. You can go by your alternate identity here. And remember, I talked about the teacher in Washington that has a superhero closet where children dress as their parents. This is, this is the teacher's words, okay? You dress as your parents will accept you when you leave the house. And when you come here to school, you go in that closet and you change into who you want to be. And we will call you by the name you want to go by here in this school. And then at the end of school, you know, then you go back into the superhero closet and change back into the parent-approved clothing and go back home. And your parents will never know. They're doing this on purpose. The reason why they're doing this is to break the children away from their parents' influence so the state can raise them. And I know I've said this numerous times, and I will continue to say it until people understand. This is on purpose. This is communism, basically. They want the government to raise children to be left activists so that it will be easier and easier to institute communism in this country. And I believe it's gone beyond socialism. I believe the ultimate goal now is communism. And that would be worldwide communism. And the one thing that's standing in the way is the United States of America and our constitution that limits the power of government. 
And the people that want to control everything, the, the world governance people, like the World Economic Forum and the UN and the, the World Health Organization and other organizations like this, I believe they're doing all of this because if they can get the United States to rip up their constitution and to stop limiting government power, then they can take full control of the world. And one of the reasons why that needs to happen for them to destroy the United States, because a certain president who will remain nameless, Donald Trump, uh, wanted to bring back independence to our country, wanted to bring absolute independence to our country, energy independence and free speech and, you know, the right to live your life the way you want. And that's just all these things are what our country was founded on and why we fought the revolution to break away from a tyrannical king that wanted to control everything. And now it seems many in a certain party want us to be ruled by a king again. They want one party to have absolute power. And again, I know I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. The proof of that is there's only one party that wants to get rid of the filibuster so that it's, it's not a 60 vote that passes some of the big laws. It's only 51. They want to eliminate the electoral college. So it goes to the complete popular vote, which would basically make states like Wyoming and Vermont and uh, Nebraska and Kansas irrelevant in all elections. All elections would basically be decided by two to four states, New York and California for sure. And then Texas, that's why they're trying to turn Texas blue, by the way, and uh, Illinois or, or a couple of other ones, but, or I think Florida is one of them too. But the entire election would be determined by like four states max. All the other states, we wouldn't even have to put voting machines in them because their vote would not matter. Because the majority of the population has amassed in these states. And that's why Alexander Hamilton, yes, that Hamilton with the one that the, the, the play that's running on Broadway, okay, the musical on Broadway, that Alexander Hamilton came up with the Electoral College to make it impossible for one, two, or three states to control everything, to give every state equal representation. And yes, I understand the, the argument that sometimes it's over rep representation when the same amount of senators represent Wyoming that has a state of like about a million, I think it's maybe a less, less than a million and have the same amount of senators in the Senate as California that has like 43 million. I understand, but it makes sure that that power is not centralized in one specific area that it's still divided fairly equally among our states. So our elections will be fairly decided. And they want to add D.C. as a state, and that would add two more Democratic senators. And then they want to pack the Supreme Court. Because for a while, the Supreme Court was 5-4, liberal over conservative. And that you, go back and look how many laws in our country were created with a 5-4 majority. That's it. 
And the Democrats cannot stand the fact that constitutionalists and conservatives now control the um, Supreme Court. They can't stand the fact that they have, they do not have control of all three branches of government. And no, the three branches of government are not Republican, Democrat, and Independent, okay? I'll give you a little civics lesson right here. If you don't know, and if you do know, just go along, because there are some people that are listening that don't know this. The three branches of the U.S. government are the judicial, the legislative, and the executive branches. And the only branch, well, you know what? Let The next podcast, I'm going to talk about those three branches of government and what departments are in each of those branches and what their responsibilities individually are and why no one party should be able to control all three branches. And our founding fathers put in numerous checks and balances to prevent one party from taking over all three branches. All right. Okay. Wow. I went off on a lot of tangents on there and I understand that's that I'm not supposed to do that, but I did it and uh, let's move on, shall we? <laughs> okay. DEI. Basically, this is a word game that's happening with those that want diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's really just word games. They're just trying to control the narrative of what is acceptable and what is not. And I've warned about this numerous times in the past, that if you make it so the government can control what is and what isn't hate speech, that is going to be according to the party that's controlling the government at that time. So we're going to have all kinds of crazy things, like one government will determine one thing is hate speech and should not be allowed to be spoken. And, and then when the next party takes over, then they'll determine, well, that's not hate speech, but this is. And it'll go back and forth. When we start to censor any speech, and yes, I even mean speech that offends you, and even some speech that is violent in nature, if it's not calling for specific violence against a specific person or specific group, then it's protected speech. And once we start censoring that, we're in big trouble. So let's look at the differences of words that the left has created recently. For many, many, many years, we talked about equal opportunity or equality. Okay. Those are everyone should have the same opportunity. No matter where you start from, everyone should have that same opportunity to start. Okay. But the left over the last 10 years or so has changed that and listen to all the wording. It no, they, they no longer even mention equality. There is no such word as the word equality from the radical left anymore. It is equity. And equity is a guaranteed outcome, equal outcome. And like I've said so many times, you cannot do that. You cannot guarantee an equal outcome. It's not possible because no two people have the same background, work ethic, uh, life experiences, um, wisdom. You know, there's just no way you can guarantee that. You can under communism because then the government decides and that's what they want. They want the government to decide who gets what according to the, de the government's determination of what is and what is not equitable, not equality, equity. 
Okay. Now let's look at diversion or, or diversity. Okay. Diversity. Diversity of skin color. Yep. Diversity of sexuality. Yep. Diversity of gender. Yep. Diversity of opinions. Nope. Diversity of ideas. Nope. Diversity of ideologies. Nope. Diversity of parties. Nope. Diversity of beliefs. Nope. Diversity doesn't mean diversity. It is only diversity of surface features, skin color, sexuality, gender, things like that. Diversity, they, they, they do not want any diversity of opinions or ideas or ideologies or beliefs or opinions. Did I already say opinions? I think I did. Anyway, that is not allowed by the radical left. They claim to be the party of diversity, but they are the least diverse when it comes to opinions, ideas, beliefs, character, things that really matter, things that massive leaders in our past talked about. Martin Luther King Jr. Judge people by the content of their character, not their skin color. The left has forgotten that. They only want to judge people by their skin color. They only want to judge people by their gender or their sexuality or sexual preference. That's all they want to be diverse. They will have no diversity of opinion. Thank you very much. And then inclusion, again, right alongside diversity. They want to include people of all skin colors. They want to include people of all sexual um, preferences. They want to include both genders. And yeah, you notice I didn't say all genders because there's only two. They want to include a lot of mental illnesses <laughs> too, in my opinion. All right. So inclusion is really all-inclusive unless we disagree with you then you're not to be included. And I'm going to get into this in a little bit with the Durham report and what we've discovered about the FBI, that they're definitely not practicing this. But just look at the words that have been changed by the left, and they're doing it on purpose. They're, the, the words sound similar to what they used to mean, but they do not mean the same things today. Okay, moving on. Now, finally, we have the John Durham report. And now we know, sadly, that we have an intelligence agency and a Department of Justice that is used as a political weapon, period. And that's really sad and hard for me to say. I have friends and that are, are in and have been in uh, some of the three-letter agencies and they were revered and respected and are doing great work. There are field offices of the CIA and FBI that around the country and around the world that are doing fantastic work. But the leadership of these intelligence agencies have become tools of the Democratic Party to go after the people they disagree with and the people they want to destroy politically. What the FBI ha did, according to the Durham report, 
was they knew very early on there was no proof of Russian Trump collusion. But they went forward with the investigation anyway, and they launched that insane Mueller four-year investigation pretty much the entire time Donald Trump was running for office and in office. They wanted to destroy Trump. And now we know through some FBI whistleblowers that came forward uh, recently, not, not the four that are, I'll talk about them in just a second, but another whistleblower came forward and said that there's absolute proof that the people that signed that letter that said Hunter Biden's laptop wasn't real, it was Russian disinformation or had all the earmarks, I say in quotes, of Russian disinformation. All 51 that signed it did it for political reasons. Not one of them really thought it was Russian disinformation. And there are a couple of individuals that have actually come forth and admitted that they signed it to try and stop Donald Trump from being reelected. And also to give Joe Biden a talking point in the debate with Donald Trump. And you remember I played that in another podcast where Joe Biden said 51 people, five that are currently or previous leaders of the intelligence agencies signed a letter saying that the the Hunter Biden laptop story was classic Russian disinformation. And you remember Trump said, oh, this is another Russia, Russia, Russia. Really? Trump was right. The Hunter Biden laptop story has been proven completely, full stop. The emails on that laptop proving that Joe Biden knew about his, hunt, his son's business, proven, true, full stop. And the thing that really was proven that the left is completely ignoring is this Russian disinformation was created by Hillary Clinton and the Clinton campaign financed Christopher Steele in putting together a dossier made up mostly by stories, um, Denchenko, I can't remember his first name, but basically later on, Denchenko admitted these were bar rumors that he had heard in DC bars about Trump being, having uh, hookers, Russian hookers peeing on the bed that, that uh, Barack Obama stayed in, in Moscow when, you know, it's just stupid, stupid bar rumors. And this, the FBI knew they were not true, but they proceeded to use that dossier, unproven, unverified dossier. And the way they verified it, I'm doing in air quotes again, was they leaked it to the press. And then they used the fact that the press reported on it as real. And you, I can play you. Matter of fact, listen to this. They said, oh, that's too salacious for us to even look into. But it's the only part we care about. It's the part we talk about, the PP tape. PP tape. PP tape. PP tape. PP tape. There is a P tape out there with Donald Trump. It's comedy 
Christmas! BuzzFeed News says the British intelligence passed to the Americans claims that during a trip to Russia, Mr. Trump rented a Moscow hotel suite where the Obamas once stayed, and it claims that he paid prostitutes to urinate on the bed. Verifiable thing about this report is how much joy it gave me. Another day of Hillary Clinton's emails and the Steele dossier. This while the President of the United States is lying about the FBI, attacking the FBI, and attacking the rule of law in this country. How does that make any sense at all? There is direct evidence in the emails uh, from the Russians uh, through their intermediary offering dirt on Hillary Clinton as part of what is described in writing as the Russian government effort to help elect Donald Trump. There is significant evidence, much of it in the public domain, on the issue of collusion. Moscow. Honestly, never thought these words would come out of my mouth, but I don't know whether the, the current president of the United States was with prostitutes peeing on each other in Moscow in 2013. It's possible. And trust me, my friends, this was just a small sampling that I found. I, there's minutes and minutes of video of people on ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, all these different stations verifying that they know, or at least they suspect because it's Trump, that this uh, dossier was real. And when you talk to Igor Denchenko, that and ask, and, and he was asked, and, and he, him and Christopher Steele were offered million dollars by the FBI to prove that it's true, and neither of them could do so. Denchenko admitted it was based on rumors he had heard in Washington, D.C. bars. So they took that and they got the FISA warrant to, spire, to spy on the Trump campaign. And now we know beyond this degradation of the FBI, it's gotten worse because these four brave FBI whistleblowers who, by the way, have all lost their security clearance and everybody says, well, big deal. They still have their jobs. No, if you don't have your security clearance, you can't get in to the buildings. You can't get into the J. Edgar Hoover building in Washington, D.C. So they've essentially lost their jobs and were not offered any kind of compensation. So the FBI will destroy employees that come forward. And they're saying, no, no, we don't do that. We don't do that. Well, these four individuals, brave individuals, have come forward and testified in front of Congress that, yes, they have done that. And they testified that under... The Patriot Act, I believe it was, and a certain section 107, but basically it gave authorization for the FBI and other intelligence agencies to tap the phones of suspected foreign terrorists. And the FBI has abused that privilege and tapped the phones and surveilled American citizens 278,000 times. And these are just people that they disagree with. They have targeted the pro-life demonstrators. They have targeted Catholic churches trying to find uh, FBI operatives. And like we know in previous, 
the FBI had informants in the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and were there on January 6th at the Capitol. So the FBI has become nothing more than the enforcement arm of the Democratic Party. And I personally don't have any faith in those organizations anymore. I personally think that they need to be disbanded and restructured from the ground up and get rid of all the leadership of those agencies and the DOJ. We, the people that go into these jobs and they get the security clearances, they promise to uphold the Constitution of the United States. And by failing to follow their own rules or bending the rules and finding loopholes and, and things around it, what they did may not be illegal, but it was unconstitutional and it was unethical. And I hope that the next president, I know Joe Biden's not going to do a dang thing about it, but I hope the next president that comes in will do something about it. We'll get rid of the leadership and go through every single file and every single agent and weed out the ones that are using the agency as their own weapon against people they disagree with, because that's what's happened to the intelligence agencies. All right. One other quick thing I want to get to that's serious. And then I have something that I can't stop laughing about, but, and you'll understand why when I tell you about it. Uh, the Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, wants our entire military to be electric by 2030. She thinks we can get it done. Now, here's my question to Secretary Granholm. Are there charging stations in battlegrounds? Are, are there charging stations enough at military bases? Um, no, we do not have anywhere close to the infrastructure necessary to take our entire military fleet to be electric. But here's another thing. Well, here's a couple things. First of all, in order for us to do that, we would be completely dependent on China because China corners the market on the materials needed for electric batteries. So does Jennifer Granholm know this? I think she does. She would have to. I think this is being done on purpose to make us dependent on China. But also, here's one thing very serious. I think they, the people that want to govern us worldwide, the world governance, uh, new world order, if you want to say it, that's the, the buzzword for uh, conspiracy theorists. But basically, the people that want to control everything, imagine having the control who wins wars at the touch of a button. You know what I'm talking about? Electromagnetic pulses. If you have both sides, or let's just say you have one side that has all electric machinery and vehicles on the battlefield, and you drop one electromagnet or set off one electromagnetic pulse in the middle of that battlefield, what happens to all those electric vehicles? They stop cold. They don't work anymore. That's, I believe, another reason why Jennifer Granholm, probably at the instructions of those who want world governance, want an all-electric military because they want the power to stop the U.S. if they want to. 
Because if the entire U.S. is electric and they're on that battlefield, they set off and, and they decide they want China to win. And China wouldn't be dumb enough to go all electric. No other country in the world would be dumb enough to go all electric. Well, there might be a couple that are dumb enough, but uh, all militaries need to stay with dependable, uh, renewable energy, diesel, oil, gas, natural gas, nuclear, all those things are dependable. Electric is not, but they want one side or both sides to be able to be ended with one push of a button. Someone up in that wants to govern everything and uh, U.S. and Germany or U.S. and Russia or U.S., you know, let's, let's go back to any battle. Imagine having the ability to set off one electromagnetic pulse and shut down one side completely and let the other side win. Imagine that power of someone being able to control who wins or loses. That, to me, is why. Everyone's trying to force us to go electric way, way before we have the ability to sustain it for long periods of time and shield it from electromagnetic pulses. All right. So think about that. All right. <laughs> One thing I want to talk about really quickly that I think is pretty dang funny. All right. The, a university in Wyoming is allowing for the first time a trans woman to live in a sorority house. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm laughing. The, the trans woman's name is Artemis Langford. He is a man six foot two, 260 pounds. And a lot of the sorority girls are kind of upset that he's being allowed to live in the sorority home. And I believe the University of Wyoming or one, a, a university in Wyoming, I'm not sure which, exactly which one it is. I think they're bowing to DEI pressure to, uh, you know, all of the people that are woke uh, in their administration thinking this is a great idea. I'm going to tell you mm, something I suspect. I believe Artemis Langford is doing this on purpose because, you know, he's been reported <laughs> having erections in his leggings numerous times walking around the sorority and having to put a pillow uh, in his lap when sitting in common areas. So, so I believe Mr. Artemis Langford is living the fantasy that we all thought of when we were in college, wishing we could go live in a sorority, being surrounded by women in, you know, in, negligee, in negligees and bras and panties and fun little pajama outfits and short shorts. And, oh, yeah. Can you imagine living in a sorority all that time? No wonder um, Mr. Langford has to carry a pillow around with him wherever he goes. <laughs> Oh, I just found that so humorous. I don't know why, but I really honestly believe, Mr. Artemis Langford, I salute you because you're living out a fantasy every red-blooded American male has thought of but has never had the <clears throat> balls to try. <laughs> and it looks like Artemis has done just that. <laughs> 
All right. I, I don't know what you thought about my podcast today. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Did you laugh along with me when talking about Artemis? Uh, write me, Drew, at thewatchdogsbark.com. All right, and I have one thing I want to share with you before I leave you. I always want to leave on a positive note. My positive note for you is this. Don't listen to the naysayers. Just don't. You can accomplish anything you want. And the people that are telling you you can't are jealous of your ambition. Pure and simple. I had many people when I was younger tell me, I wouldn't be able to do anything in the career I wanted to go in. And I still can't tell you about that career because I'm not ready for those worlds to collide yet. But um, I had a very successful 34 going on 35 year career in the industry I went into. It was something I dreamed of doing from a very young age and I did it. I even had a high school guidance counselor pull my parents aside and say, you know, I- I'm sorry uh, to tell you this, but you know, your son, Drew, he just, he has no ambition. He has no skills. He's not very smart. And I, I just, I don't think he's ever going to amount to anything. And bless my mother. From that point on, she started collecting uh, all of the signs of my success, I will say. Uh, achievements that I had made in my chosen field and going way against what other people thought I would ever be able to do. And I'm glad, number one, for my mother and always believing in me. She will always be my number one supporter. And also to all of those people that told me I would never amount to anything, I did. I had mounted to a lot, actually and uh, was able to accomplish some pretty amazing things in the field that I went into. So do not listen to the naysayers. You know the expression, those who can't criticize. Like in, in the film industry, the, those that don't have acting talent become movie critics. That's what they say anyway. But it's, there's a lot of truth to people and the real reason why they're, they're trying to tear you down. People are intimidated by those with great ambition and especially by those not affected by the negative. You can accomplish anything. Thomas Edison, 10,000 inventions. And what is he famous for? The light bulb. One thing, okay? There's other people that have done have tried and failed many things. One of the funniest things I think is some of the inventions we have today that were invented by mistakes. One in particular that sticks out is the sticky note. I don't know if you know this or not, but 3M was trying to invent a super glue. And one of the failures turned out to be something that could stick, but peel off easy, but it re-sticked and then peeled off and restuck and peeled off. And, and then we have sticky notes because of a failed attempt at trying to invent superglue. So don't ever give up on your dreams and don't ever listen to the naysayers. 
because the only reason why they're saying trying to tear you down is they're jealous of your ambition. They wish they had it and they don't want you to succeed because then it will show them about their shortcomings and failures. And nobody wants to see that. All right. So keep that in mind. And thank you again for tuning in to the Watchdogs Bark. Tune in next time. And until then, create an amazing day and relay the bark.